you to Dr. Killen and Professor Greiner and the choir. I always get a massive inferiority complex when I listen to great musicians, and that was no exception. Let me drop my water here. I want to start off today with a question. Big existential kind of question. Why are you here? It's a multi-layered question, isn't it? I mean, it could mean the, the big picture. It could mean, why are you on this earth? Why did God create the cosmos? Why is the earth tilted at just the right degree to allow life? Why did your great-great-grandmother think your great-great-grandfather was cute? Why did God organize all of this so that one day, you? Or it could be a more personalized question, couldn't it? Why are you at North Greenville? Why are you at a place where Jody and his team do all they can during every chapel, and Brittany and her team do all they can during all of the extracurricular activities, and Dr. Finn and his team do all they can on the academic side of things to bring you face-to-face -face with truth, with a capital T? Or it could be a very narrow and specific question, couldn't it? Why are you in chapel this morning? Or, or why are you watching it online? Or at least why are you checking the group me for the answers to the quiz? Why didn't you use a skip? Why didn't you sleep in? Why didn't you go study? Why aren't you in a biology lab? Why are you here right now? But, but really, really it's an even bigger, it's an even more personal, it's an even more specific question. And that question is, why are you this morning being brought before the foot of the cross? Why are you being brought before Christ? Why do you exist in a time and place where you are consciously and intentionally being brought before the throne room of God? Everybody in here and everyone listening has a different reason. Some of you are excellent athletes, and you wanted to play for Coach Farrington or Coach Temples. Some of you intentionally sought out a Christ-first education. Some of you simply live nearby. The reasons are as numerous as the people. But the truth, the truth is that the reason is somewhat irrelevant. The truth is that the fact that you are here dwarfs the reasons why you are here. And the same was true 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, there was a cast of characters surrounding the actual foot of the cross. It's 2,017 years, roughly, I think. We're living in the 2,000-year anniversary of the life of Christ. Exactly 2,000 years ago, Christ was about a 17, 18-year-old. 2,000 years ago, he was about your age. That's incredible. Every one of the people who were at the foot of the cross was there for a different reason. And, and I think that we can learn from them. So today, we're going to explore a few of them. We're going to look at Peter and at Simon of Cyrene and at James. And if you just heard kind of a hush in the crowd, it's because the Bible doesn't say that James and Peter were at the cross, and so that was the Christian studies majors and their righteous indignation. But I'm a drama guy, and so I'm going to make believe. I'm a drama guy, so we're going to ask, what if? What if they were there? But we start, we start with someone that we know was there. Simon of Cyrene.
I went to the cross because I had to, literally. I, I mean, I was forced. I didn't have a choice. I, I, was in, I was in Jerusalem for the Passover with what seemed like the entire world. It was Friday morning, and I was walking uh, down the street towards the temple with my family when I noticed that the street started getting real crowded. And, and before I knew it, we were caught in this huge rush of people, and they were all shouting and cussing. I mean, carts was turned over. It was, it was turning into a mob scene, but I was pushed up against a wall, and I couldn't get away. But then finally, we saw what all the fuss was about. There was three criminals who were being led out of the city to be crucified. The first two just passed on by us with no problem, but the third one, man, that third one was in rough shape. The people in the streets just hated him. They were throwing things at him and even hitting him. He was beaten so bad he hardly looked like a human. And then just when I didn't think the crowd could get any worse, he, he stumbled and he fell down and they just went nuts. It was like an enemy had fallen in battle. They were cheering for this guy's pain. I just wanted to get away. Even more because I had my kids with me, but we were being pushed against that wall by the crowd. And then, then all of a sudden somebody grabbed my arm. And there were lots of people in the crowd, so I just shrugged them off. But when I turned and looked, it was a Roman guard. And you don't shrug off a Roman guard. He was mad. So he grabbed me by my hair, and he threw me down on the street next to that third prisoner. You could tell the soldiers were really on edge because of the crowd. And he yelled at me something, but I, I didn't understand the language, but I got the gist. So I got to my knees and I, I lifted that wooden beam off that guy. I put it on my back and we started walking together. It was heavier than I thought it was going to be. No wonder he fell down. So there we were. The other two criminals, the guards, the crowd. My two kids beside me crying. The third criminal barely able to put one foot in front of the other. And me, carrying another man's cross. We finally got to Golgotha. The guards were pushing the crowd back the whole time. And they got those three back up on the cross, or up on the cross real quick. That was the first crucifixion I'd ever seen. I, I should have left. I mean, I know I should have left. Somehow, I, I just couldn't. I could tell you about all the weird stuff that happened while he was up there. Ground started shaking, the sky turned black. I, I could tell you about all that, but that's not what struck me. What struck me was him. There was something about him that I just couldn't look away. He was so small. He was so weak, so frail, but I couldn't stop staring at him. In all the chaos, amidst all the confusion, he alone seemed absolutely certain of what was going on. The guards seemed terrified of a riot. The Pharisees were consumed with hatred. Even this man's family and friends were just lost in their grief and tears, but but there was something so sure about this man. I, I came to the cross because I was forced to. 
But as I stared at this man on the day of his unspeakable death, I somehow knew my life would never be the same. Some of you are here today, and whether we're talking about chapel or whether we're talking about North Greenville, you're here because you didn't have a choice. You accepted a basketball scholarship and you had no idea how much these people in this college were going to talk about Jesus. You came here because your parents did, or maybe this was the only school they would pay for. Maybe you're just here because NGU has your major. The same is true for me, quite honestly. This is College of Communication and Fine Arts Chapel, and I got a call last night at 10.30 that one of the members of Act 2 had been exposed to COVID, so I'm speaking to you today because I don't have a choice. Act 2 was supposed to be up here. I apologize. You got stuck with me. But the reason is irrelevant. The point is, you didn't choose to come here. You didn't choose to come to the cross because you wanted to. You're just here. But I've got good news. The good news is that you are here. You're here, and that's all that matters. You are at the foot of the cross. You are before the creator and sustainer of the world. And here is where lives change. You don't believe me? Just ask this guy. Peter. <clears throat> I came to the cross filled with shame. I had denied him three times. Just exactly like he said I would. Just exactly like I promised that I never would. But that night, that night everything seemed to go wrong. I mean, it started early. I, I felt like I had offended him when he wanted to wash my feet. And then in, in front of the entire group, he told me that I would deny him. After that, I, I couldn't stay awake in the garden. And then when the soldiers came, I, I tried to defend him, and even that was wrong. So when they carted him off, drug him away, I, I only followed at a distance. I wasn't by his side. I followed him all the way to the courtyard courtyard and that annoying little girl huh what oh no I don't know him look little girl I don't know what you're talking about but I swear to God I've never met the guy and then the rooster crowed it was still the middle of the night and the rooster crowed I looked over at the house and through the window and I saw him. His face was already swollen. His lips were already bloody. And right as the rooster crowed, he just turned his head and just looked at me. There was no 
There's no judgment. There was no hatred. There was no desperation. He just looked at me. So I turned and I ran. I ran and I ran and I cried and I cried. No. No, I didn't want to go to the cross. But I had nowhere else to go. So I went anyway. I wasn't at his feet where I should have been. I wasn't even in the crowd. I, I watched him from a distance, a safe distance. I, I saw John and the others. I wished I was with them, but I just wasn't. I just couldn't. I saw him battered and bruised, struggling to breathe. I wished it was me. It, it could have been. All I had to do was step forward and say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And the Romans would have had me up there beside him before you could blink. But I didn't. I just didn't. I stayed in the background and I sulked. distance, in, in the shadows, in my own darkness, he found me. I, I saw him lift his head. I, I saw him scan the crowd. I, I didn't know why. What could he possibly be looking for? A sympathetic gaze from that crowd? A merciful prayer? No. No, he knew I was there and he was searching for me. His glance lasted only a moment, only a, a heartbeat. But when our eyes met, I found forgiveness. I found hope. I found a calling. You couldn't really understand unless, unless you've ever actually looked into his eyes. His eyes. I came to the cross filled with shame. But at the cross, at the cross, I found peace. Some of you came here today filled with shame, filled with regret. Some of you are filled with guilt. Some of you are absolutely convinced that you are unforgivable and unlovable. The cross of Christ tells us with absolute certainty that you are never beyond the reach of our Savior. You are His. You are doubly His, made in His image and then bought with His blood. You were made in His image but you are broken and fractured. You aren't the image bearer that you were designed to be. The good news is that he puts us back together. The gospel is that he mends broken hearts. He mends broken souls and broken mirrors. 
some of you have been brought before the cross of Christ today to be reminded of that very truth. And then there's some of you. There are some of you that think the rest of us are nuts. <laughs> this guy did. James, the brother of Christ. I came to the cross filled with anger. I mean, of course, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit this now, but, but honestly, the main reason that I was at my brother's crucifixion was to make sure that he died. I know, I know that sounds horrible, but it's true. He had been embarrassing my family for the past three years. He had made life dangerous for us. We had been kicked out of the synagogue. The Romans knew who we were. Him being out of the picture was simply necessary for the survival of my family. So when I went to the cross that day, I was, oh, I was so angry. <laughs> I was glad he was going to be gone. And honestly, I was scared that I would be next. We were, we were in town for the Passover. We, we knew he was there too, but we had no plans of looking for him. But then we got word that he had been arrested. found out he was going to be crucified. I, I begged my mother. I begged my mother not to go. I told her that it would be dangerous, but she insisted. While he was alive, she, she'd never really been able to explain to us all of the things about him that she told us later. But she made it absolutely certain that if her oldest son was going to be put to death, she was going to be there. So we went. And the next part I don't understand. The next part I don't get. But somehow, in some way, it just clicked. Like everything falling into place. I don't understand why I never, I never got it before that day. I had seen him perform miracles, but somehow they, somehow they seem more like trickery than majesty. Water turned into wine. The blind given sight. Lepers healed and even the dead raised. This day, this day was next level. When we first saw him, my mother, I don't know, shrieked? Is that the right word? That's a terrible word, but that's, my mother shrieked. <laughs> I, I almost got ill. I, I almost got physically ill. His, his back and his chest were just shredded. His beard had been pulled out along with big 
chunks of his face. I've seen animal sacrifices before. I mean, they're sacrifices, but honestly, they're, they're relatively clean. This was so much more. And still, I mean, I'm looking at him turned into a bloody mass of flesh and gore, and I, I sympathized. But I didn't worship. They hung him on that tree, and still my heart was cold. We're standing there, and my mom is crying, and the guards are over there gambling, and the Pharisees are screaming, and it's the middle of the day, and thunder just rocked that hill. The ground literally started shaking. The sky turned jet black. It scared me to death. Then it hit me lightning out of the sky. I, I tell people that when the sky, when the, when the light left the sky it, is when it entered me. He was exactly who he had been telling everybody that he was. He was exactly who he claimed to be. He, he was my big brother. We had slept in the same room. We had eaten at the same table. We, we worked in the same wood shop. I had countless opportunities to ask him how he shaped the world. I had countless opportunities to ask him what the first dawn looked like. I could have asked him why the giraffe. I just missed it. I miss every one of those opportunities. I'm, I'm an old man now. People call me camel knees because I spend so much time on them talking to our Lord, talking to my big brother. But when he was here, I just didn't. I came to the cross that day and I was filled with anger and hatred. But when I came off that mountain, when I came off that hill, I was filled with wonder and awe. There are some of you don't get it. There are some of you that think believing in, the, in a God that created the world is it's unscientific and old-fashioned. You believe that worshiping a, a supernatural being that we can't see and who has all of his demands is silly, and besides that, it's hard. 
obeying the commands of the Bible are just unrealistic. But here's the thing. What if it's right? What if the Bible is right? What if Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be? What if God did create and does sustain? What if right now in this very room, the Holy Spirit is waiting for you to give him permission to radically alter not just your destination, but your entire life? Today, I pray. Today, I pray. Pray that you leave this place changed. No one ever enters the presence of Christ and leaves the same. Today, I pray that you leave in peace. The cross of Christ offers you that. Today, I pray that you leave in awe. He is worthy your worship. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We do not understand your will. We do not understand your ways. We do not understand why you had to go to that cross. But Lord, we love you. Lord, we ask that you change us. We ask that you give us peace. We ask that you give us reverence and awe. Lord, we ask that you build your kingdom. And Lord, we ask that you let it begin with us. In the name of him who gave his very being, we pray. Amen.